morning, folks, and welcome to worship on Sunday, the 13th of September. It's good to gather here in the building and in our homes, for no matter where we gather, we gather as part of God's family, his beloved people. There are one or two intimations this morning. Firstly, is that next Sunday will be Harvest Thanksgiving. Quite what form that will take, I have yet to decide. Obviously won't be our normal Harvest Thanksgiving, but we will give thanks to God for his goodness to us. And with that in mind, from the Outreach Committee, the Women's Aid Collection, on Harvest Sunday, we would normally be asking you to support Paisley Women's Aid by donating non-perishable food items, tins, jars, pasta, etc. Despite the unusual circumstances at present, we intend to go ahead. But as attendance at the Kirk is restricted at the moment, we will spread the collection over three Sundays, the 20th, the 27th of September and the 4th of October. Now, the 4th of October, to give you a heads up, will be Communion Sunday. And we'll be doing that slightly differently, of which more later. But the blue donation buckets will be at the church entrances on these three dates. That's the following three Sundays. And there will also be a plate for anyone who would prefer to give a donation of money. And then after the last collection date, the 4th of October, arrangements will be made to safely deliver the donations to Women's Aid. So these are all the intimations. Come to the God who knows us, to the God who created our being, to the God who knows our frailty, to the God who loves and cherishes us beyond measure. Come as you are and worship God. We worship God by listening to the hymn 185, Come children, join and sing. And unfortunately, as we all know, we cannot join and sing, but we can, with our hearts, rejoice before his throne. We can lift our hearts on high, for he is our guide and friend. On him we can depend. His love shall never end. Life shall not end the song. Alleluia. Amen. We worship God by listening to the hymn 185.
The other week, one of the ladies in the congregation told me that when she came to church, she felt as if she'd been put in the naughty corner, just over there. Now, no one's sitting in that seat today, no, but she felt as if she'd been put in the naughty corner. And I then came across this lovely little story about a wee girl. This wee girl had a well-known artist as her grandfather. Now, like all children, sometimes this little girl was good and sometimes she was naughty. And when she was naughty, her mum would send her to stand in the corner, a dark, dreary corner with nothing to see but blank walls. Well, one evening, she'd been really cheeky, so mum sent her to the corner until bedtime. But when she got up the next morning, well, she was still grumpy and huffy. So she goes off downstairs. Grandpa was waiting for her. And Grandpa said to her, away and have a look at the naughty corner. Well, overnight, Grandpa had transformed the naughty corner. He had painted a wonderful mural with rabbits and ducklings and trees and flowers, all sorts of things that would appeal to a little girl. This naughty corner was transformed. And this, well, this is what Jesus does for us when he forgives us. He transforms us. He takes away all our bad temper and misery. And if we let him, he replaces these thoughts, these, the grumps that we get at times, with good and happy thoughts. So think about the naughty corner and think about how Jesus transforms us. But let's come to God now in prayer. Let's pray. Forgiving God, more willing to forgive than often we are to confess. Help us to see our failings, to see where we fall short, to see where we deceive ourselves, where we close our eyes and ears to the ripples of our wrongdoing. May we breathe in the reality of our actions, the need to change, the depth of our unworthiness. We come before you, Lord, seeking your forgiveness. Now let us breathe in the power of your forgiveness and breathe out the need to live and love in the shadow of your forgiveness of us that we may forgive as you have forgiven us. And hear us now as we pray quietly in the words Jesus taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. We turn now to scripture where we'll hear some more about forgiveness. I read from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 18, and I'm reading from verses 21 to 35. Let's listen for God's word. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, 
but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, I miss doing things with the children, so I thought I'd share this wee activity with you. Peter thought that up to seven times would be enough to forgive someone. Seven times. Okay. So, I've got a number seven. Let me cut round this. So we actually have a seven rather than just drawing on the paper. Just about there. There we go. And this is where I hope. So we've got the number seven. And if we open it out, we have hearts. We have hearts. So this reminds us that while Peter wanted to forgive seven times, Jesus said that we should always have a forgiving heart. So I just thought it would be nice to do something again here at the front of the church. And now, having been thinking all the way through the service about forgiveness. We're going to hear the hymn 187. There's a wideness in God's mercy, like the wideness of the sea. There's a kindness in his justice, which is more than liberty. There is no place where earth's sorrows are more felt than in God's heaven. There is no place where earth's failings have such kindly judgment given. For the love of God is broader than the grasp of mortal mind and the heart of the eternal 
is most wonderfully kind. If our love were but more simple, we would take him at his word and our lives be filled with glory from the glory of the Lord. Hymn number 187. Well, it seems fairly obvious that this week's service, this week's Bible reading, is all about forgiveness. And I suspect that Peter thought he was being exceptionally generous when he suggested that forgiving someone seven times was enough. The teaching of Jewish, Jewish law says that a person should be forgiven three times and then face punishment. So Peter certainly seems to be going the extra mile. He takes a number three, he doubles it, and then adds on one for good measure. And surely the implication at the start of this passage is that Peter is thinking, that has to be enough. Surely, surely Jesus will say, well done, you know, when I'm going to suggest that we forgive seven times. But no, Jesus tells Peter that it needs to be, in some translations, not 77 times as I read this morning, but 70 times seven. In other words, there is no limit to forgiveness. And in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have been forgiven a debt which is beyond all reckoning. For it was human sin that brought about the death of Jesus. Each one of us, we are all recipients of God's grace and as such should be a channel for God's grace. As we have been forgiven, so we should forgive. And then there's this question, when we forgive, or maybe that should be try to forgive, is forgiveness a one-off act, or is it a process, something which can take time? Well, research into forgiveness shows that it usually has several stages, including anger, reframing the situation, and releasing the sense of, if you like, victimhood. So we may need to revisit, if you like, forgiveness. Jesus asks us to forgive 77 times or 70 times 7. Does this mean that we need to make a repeated decision to forgive a grievance and acknowledge these many stages that we need to progress through? 
rather than simply forgiving 77 different grievances. But let's be in no doubt, I'm sure I'm not alone in finding that sometimes it can take time to forgive and even longer to forget. So in this passage then, Jesus is asking us to hold continually an attitude of forgiveness to others. And forgiveness, well, forgiveness means letting go of the hurt. Holding on to grievances is harmful to our mental health and well-being. I remember the line from Tam O'Shanter's, the poem Tam O'Shanter, and I'm sure that we shouldn't be like Burns's sulky, sullen dame, gathering our brows like gathering storm, nursing our wrath to keep it warm. So we are to forgive others. We're to forgive others. I wonder how many of us struggle to forgive ourselves and to accept God's forgiveness. Recognising that God loves us unconditionally can be challenging. Even though when we pray the Lord's Prayer as we've done this morning and the line, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, or as other versions have it, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. God, well, God still loves us and I'm sure that he forgives us even if we haven't quite been able to reach that stage where we can forgive something. If someone has been really seriously damaged or traumatised, is it right to expect them to forgive? This week we've been listening to the beginnings of the investigation, if you like, into the Manchester Arena, Arena bombing. How do those folk feel? And expecting people to forgive, is that not just in a way piling on extra burdens for them to bear? But then is it a case of leaving those burdens at the foot of the cross, leaving those burdens with Jesus? For I never cease to be amazed when I think of the words of Gordon Wilson. Remember Gordon Wilson's daughter died in the Remembrance Day bombing in Enniskillen when he said in a BBC interview, but I bear no ill will, I bear no grudge. I will pray for these men tonight and every night. The very act of offering forgiveness can make a huge difference to the victim of any offence in terms of helping them to move through their hurt, their anguish, their pain. And as I thought about Gordon Wilson's words, I realised something that, well, I hadn't realised before. When Gordon Wilson spoke, there were no strings attached to this. Gordon Wilson didn't say, I bear no will, ill will because these people have admitted what they've done. They've apologised, they've said sorry. He didn't add those riders. He simply said, I bear no ill will and that he would pray for them tonight and every night. And at no point in today's gospel reading did Jesus make forgiveness dependent on an admission of guilt and apology. Forgiveness is to be freely and generously given. We cannot, we cannot forgive in our own strength. We need the grace of our Lord to help us. And I think too that when we recognise God's forgiveness for us, then that helps us 
to shape our attitude towards others. For God has forgiven our sins. God will continue to forgive us our sins. And that, well, that's what he asks us to do for others. Not seven times, but 70 times seven. With, if you like, a loving heart. And I'd like to finish this morning's thoughts with a challenge to us all. And it's during this coming week, and perhaps months and years, if anyone does something that annoys, angers, or upsets us this week, let's try not to react immediately. Let's stop. And you know the saying, count to ten. Well, maybe count to seven, or even 77, or perhaps 70 times seven, 490 times. But make a decision with God's grace and with God's help to forgive them. Amen. And now Alan will play for us while we reflect. Thank you, Alan. And now we come to God in prayer. Let's pray. Generous God of love, giver of every good gift, receive the gifts we offer this day, our money, our love, our faith in you. 
and give us a desire to give ourselves fully to the work of creating your kingdom here on earth as in heaven. Amen. Lord God, we've gathered in your presence today knowing that our freedoms have been and will be further restricted. For just now we can no longer visit one another's homes. From tomorrow we can no longer meet with folks from more than one other household. But we thank you that we can continue to worship you, to gather in restricted numbers in this building, to offer you our praise and our prayers, to worship you wherever we are. And we pray that the day will come when we are free to meet wherever, whenever, and in as large a group as we wish. But for just now, we pray that we would feel your love surrounding us as we are once again more separated from our families and friends. So Lord, hear us as we pray for others, for all who are affected directly and indirectly by COVID-19. For those who are suffering as a direct result of this disease and for the many folks who are suffering indirectly. For those who are waiting for delayed hospital treatment. Those who have been too afraid perhaps to contact their GPs. Those who have lost their jobs and those who are afraid that their job will no longer exist. Those whose incomes have been reduced and who struggled to pay their rent or mortgage, to clothe their children, to put food on the table. We pray for those who are bereaved and who have been unable to mourn their loved one as they would have liked and who have been separated from the support of family and friends, from the hugs that makes such a difference. We pray for those who have been unable to celebrate births and birthdays, weddings and wedding anniversaries. In a moment of silence, Lord, we bring you the silent prayers from the depths of our hearts. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Prayed in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord and Redeemer. Amen. We close this morning's service of worship with the music of hymn 528, Make Me a Channel of Your Peace. Hymn 528. Let's stand for the benediction, if we're able. Into a world of noise and confusion, into a world that bewilders and bemuses us at times, into a world of delight and regret, into a world of hope and fear, into a world that is ever-changing, we go with the message of an unchanging God who gave his all 
that we might live to the best of our ability and the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you and all those whom you love this day and forevermore. Thank you.